of his flesh and of his bones. And the H's in the his are capitalized because this is speaking of Jesus. He's saying that we are members of Jesus's body. Like my finger is a member of my physical body. We are a member of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. He's wanting us to understand that this is not just figurative, but it's literal. In other words, he's not saying it's like we are the member of members of the same body. No, no, no. He's saying we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's using marriage as an example on this earth for what happens to an individual who enters into a covenant with God in the same way that a man and a woman come before God, enter into a marriage covenant before God, the Bible says that those two God joins together and makes them one. It, it, is, a, it is a spiritual union. It is, it is a spiritual oneness. Amen. That is, is then represented uh, through the, the act of consummation, the physical joining of the flesh together. But that is an outward expression of an inward reality. Just like water baptism, where someone is submerged in water and then brought back up out of the water, that is an outward expression of an inward reality. The inward reality is a born-again man or woman has been buried with Christ, has been raised up together with Christ to newness of life. So what's already taken place inwardly is expressed outwardly through the act of baptism. In marriage, what is expressed outwardly through the consummation, the physical consummation of the marriage, is an, again an outward expression of the internal union, oneness that comes when a man or a woman enter, enters into a covenant before God with one another. God miraculously joins them together and makes them one. Amen. So what he's saying though is that this, this is something for us to look at and use as a stepping stone, as, 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 a, as a means to help us in a, in a better way wrap our hearts around what happened when we, when we entered into a covenant with God, the covenant that Jesus made as our representative with God the Father. We enter into covenant relationship, covenant fellowship with Him, and we become one with Him. So he says, you know, it sounds like, and he does this in Ephesians 5. We've been on this for weeks now in the Ephesians class. But he goes back and forth between our relationship with God and our marriage relationship. He's using one to explain and help us better understand the other. But when he comes to this verse, he says, verse 32, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, again, 
the church is the ecclesia, the called out ones, talking about you and me. Those who have been born again have become members of the church. Earlier in Ephesians, he says the church, which is his body. Amen. So the church is not a building made with, with wood and stone and metal and these kinds of things. No, no. It's, it's, it's you and me. We're living stones, lively stones, the Bible says. And we're being built up together as a, as a place of habitation for God. Amen. Now, when we look at this, and he says, a great mystery I speak concerning Christ and the church. When he speaks concerning Christ and the church, he's not just talking about the union, but he's talking about this entire uh, verse 30, members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Verse 31, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He's not just saying that the great mystery is us becoming one, but he's also saying that speaking concerning Christ and the church is that a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife in the same way a man is to leave his father and mother and be joined to Christ. A man is to, to leave his family and, and, and become one with Jesus. Okay. Now, I understand that this requires some explanation. And, and I think we can begin to understand it in the context of marriage and then carry that over as a template in, into our, the context of our fellowship, relationship, oneness with God. So in, in marriage counseling, premarital counseling, couples come to me before they get married, they, they desire counseling, we, we talk about the importance of breaking away from their individual families and establishing their own family, their own house. Amen. Now, this does not do away with the biblical instruction for us to continue to honor our fathers and our mothers. I don't believe you ever outgrow that passage. In other words, it doesn't just say honor your father and your mother when you're young. It doesn't just say honor your father and mother when they're right. It doesn't just say honor your father and your mother when it's convenient. Amen? Right? That word honor is a key word in our, in our whole study today and carrying over into what we'll talk about next, next Sunday together. And, and, it, and it has to do with, with, with valuing, with, with esteeming them. Amen? So it's not that when we establish our own family... As, as husband and wife, that we are now, you know, what's the right word? It's okay or, or it's, 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 it's acceptable for you to dishonor your father and mother. That's not what he's saying here. But he's saying that you, you have to establish your, your, your own life. You have to establish your own um, home together. Amen. Uh, praise God. Sometimes... Moms and dads interfere in marriages. Sometimes young couples get in a little spat and they run home to mama. Right? They run home. Can you believe what she said? Blah, blah, blah. Well, see, they, they've made up two hours later, but mom and daddy are mad for three years. Right? So, so the idea here is that that doesn't mean that you shouldn't discuss things with your parents and let them help you make wise decisions. That's not what he's talking about here. But he, he is talking about establishing something that, that, that is uh, an entity of its own, separate from. Amen. Now, 
the way we need to understand this when it comes to our oneness, our union with the Lord, is that we have to break from the influence and the voices of family and submit ourselves to the voice and the influence of our Savior. Remember when God called Abraham out of of a place called Ur of Chaldees. He told him to separate himself from his family. He told him to separate himself from his kinfolk and, and to submit himself and commit himself to God that God had a great purpose and destiny for his life and that God was going to take him somewhere great and make him great. Amen. But in order for God to be able to do that with Abraham, Abraham was first going to have to separate himself from the voice and from the influence of his family. Because we see that in Ur of Chaldees, they worshipped all kinds of idols and and false gods. There was all kinds of of traditions and there were all kinds of of, of, of just ungodly, uh, even uh, pagan uh, type of practices and, and things of this nature. And so God is saying, look, you, you got to leave all that behind you. You got to separate yourself from that and, and, and separate yourself to me. Amen. So he's not saying for Abraham to, to, to no longer love his mother and father. He's not telling him to, 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 to dishonor them or disrespect them. But he's simply saying you cannot allow their voice to, to be a greater voice of influence in your life than God's voice, than my voice, God speaking to him. You, 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 you got to, you got to quit listening to them and start listening to God. You got to quit living by their, their way of, of life and doing and start living by God's way of, of life and doing. So when he says that this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, he's not just saying the oneness part. He's talking about breaking from this idea of father and mother. Now, things are different in the southern United States of America than they are in other places in the United States of America. And family, amen, and the influence of family uh, and, and and the ties that we have here um, again, I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but amen, it, sometimes it's not the same in, in other places in our country. Brother Jerry and Sister Marilyn, are, by the way, they're coming in February. look forward to, to, to seeing them again soon. But, but they talk about how when they had the Bible college there in Honduras, Marcos, Pastor Marcos can tell you, you know, people who came from different parts of the United States, it's a different culture, it's a different mindset. And so when we start talking about the influence of family, um, you know, th- these are, are, are stronger influences for some than they are for others. Can, I, can we just at least agree on that? But when we're talking about Jesus' day, and in some respects, in Jesus' day, it, it had even loosened its grip more than, it, than the grip it had in Abraham's day. Because in those days, man, family was all you had. It was a cutthroat world. And, and, and you either had family or you had the families that your family was in covenant with. There, there was no calling the police when there was threats and problems and issues. 
Remember, Abraham had a standing military that, that, that he raised and trained and fed that lived under his own roof. It, it was such a, a unique uh, time compared to, to our day and time. And so when we're talking about leaving father and mother and, and becoming one with Jesus, again, it has nothing to do with dishonor, it has nothing to do with disrespect, but he's saying, you're either going to listen to me or you're going to listen to them. You're either going to live the way I'm telling you to live or you're going to live the way you've learned how to live from them. So much of what we do in life, we do from tradition. We, we, I've said this so many times, but I, I, don't, I don't want you ever tired of hearing me say it, but, but, but we, we, we live like survivors because we learned life and living from survivors. But we weren't, we weren't created to survive, we were created to thrive. Jesus came to teach us a new way of life, a higher way of life. He, he said, I've come to give you life in overflowing abundance. Right. See, we, we learn that way of we, we learn that way of, of life, you know, from, from our own culture or our own family structure. So Jesus is saying that, that we're gonna have to choose. And and we can say it this way, just to simplify it. You're gonna have to choose between the way you've always done it and the way he's telling you to do it. Right? You're going, to have, you're going to have to choose. You can either keep on doing it the way you've always done it, the way mom and them do it, or you can do it the way I'm telling you to do it. Now, hopefully with this background, turn with me now to Matthew chapter 10. The 10th chapter of Matthew will have a little more um, uh, weightiness, if you will, a little more understanding uh, when we see what Jesus was saying here. So turn back with me now to Matthew chapter 10, and let's begin at verse 37. Matthew 10 and 37. Jesus says this, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. All right? He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I thought we would look at these verses several weeks ago, and we would comment on verse 40, and then we would move on. But it turns out the Holy Spirit is breathing on these verses and their connection with our study on oneness is absolutely critical. I share this more now in discipleship class than I do in the other classes or sermons that I preach and teach. But if we could quickly go back to where this family of faith began now a little over 20 years ago, the Lord instructed us to call this family of faith Heritage Christian Center. And your heritage is what belongs to you because of who you are. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. You, 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 are, you are an heir of God. You have already received an inheritance from Him. So again, your, your inheritance 
is what belongs to you because of who you are. Your heritage is what belongs to you because of who you are. And so we set out in the early days of, of, of heritage to teach people what belonged to them because of who they, um, who they are in Christ Jesus. And, and it was sailing over people's heads. And I'm like, Father, we're not making a connection. Something's not right with all of this. And what he began to show me was, you can't teach somebody what belongs to them because of who they are if they don't know who they are. Amen. So in other words, who you are and knowing who you are in Christ is critical to you laying hold of what belongs to you because of who you are in Christ. Amen. Now, when we are talking about our oneness with God, what is being spoken to here in uh, Matthew 10, some other verses we'll look at in Mark 6, these are, these are like that who, knowing who you are in order to embrace what belongs to you because of who you are. In other words, if we don't understand and get these things straight, there's really nothing to support in our lives these weightier truths of our oneness with God. Let me, let me, try, to, let me try to say that another way in light of, of, of what we're, we read in Ephesians 5. If we're not willing to turn loose of the way we've always done it, right? And lay hold of this new and living way that Jesus has made available to us, we are by default excluding ourselves from the new and living way. In other words, you can't have it both ways. That's, that's, the, that's the lie that tells you that, that you that you can have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, that you can have one foot in the old way and one foot in the new way, and, it, and it'll never work that way. Remember, Jesus came as the most polarizing, influential person in all of human history. He said, you're either with me or you're against me. You're either part of the answer or you're part of the problem. You, you can't be a part of both at the same time. So if we choose to continue to do things the way we've always done them, we are by default excluding ourselves from laying hold of and embracing this new and living way. Amen. Now, when he's talking about in verse 40, matter of fact, let me just single that verse out and put it on the screen. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now, this is clearly a verse on oneness. And what we're seeing here is that we become one with the Father by becoming one with Jesus. When we receive Jesus, remember that God the Father gave us Jesus. When we receive Jesus, Father empowers us by the Holy Spirit to be born of the Holy Spirit. And in being born of the Holy Spirit, we become joined to Jesus. But now remember, I know we've got some layers going here. Follow me now. Jesus and the Father are one. 
So because Jesus and the Father are one, when we become one with Jesus, we also become one with the Father. When we receive Jesus, we receive the Father who sent Jesus. Jesus, remember, there were people who, who said they rejected Jesus but received the Father. And Jesus looked at them like, you can't do that. You can't reject Him and, and receive the Father because Jesus and the Father are one. But in the same way that you can't reject Jesus and receive the Father. In other words, to reject Jesus is to reject the Father, is what Jesus is in essence saying. But watch this now. To receive Jesus is to receive the Father. But now Jesus takes it one step further in this verse. He says, he says so when they receive you, they receive me. And when they receive me, they receive the Father who sent me. So we then become an extension of Him. Just like my right arm is an extension of me. What is a branch if it's not an extension of the tree itself? And we are branches to his tree. Amen. And so when we first came to this passage, this was the verse that I really was just targeting, you know, wanting to, to get to. But I think sometimes, now listen to me please carefully. This is where you have the opportunity, but you're not going to take it, right? The potential may be a better way of saying it. To misunderstand what I'm saying, and, and I don't want you to misunderstand me. I want you to hear me very clearly, okay? But I think where we need some instruction is on what it really means to receive Him. What it really means to receive Him. Because I think it means more than what most people understand or realize. So, when Jesus says these things in verse... Let's just go back to verse 37. I'll put it up on the screen. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Remember, all of this is helping us to clarify and better understand what it means to receive Him. Okay? What it means to receive Him. He who finds his life will lose it. I'm sorry, he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Can we talk about this word worthy for a moment, please? All right. This word worthy is talking about the value you give to something, the, the esteem that you give to something. And the, the usage of it here is talking about a conclusion that you've come to. In other words, Jesus is saying, someone who chooses the ways of their family over my ways has come to a conclusion. They, they have made a judgment. They have, they have reached a determination. Okay? So, you remember in the Old Testament where the, the king had called for the uh, implements that were to be used at the altar 
and, and he brought them in, you know, too big for his britches is how my mom and daddy would say it when we were being raised, right? He got too big for his britches and he was using those sacred uh, cups and things for his wild heathen parties. And all of a sudden, uh, a hand comes into the room and begins to write on the wall. You remember that? You ever heard the expression, we saw the writing on the wall? That comes out of the Bible. A hand wrote a message on the wall. And what that message was basically saying to that king was this. You have been weighed in the balance and have been found lacking. You have been weighed in the balance. So this word worthy is talking about this scale where we give weight to one thing over another. Not like a scale like where you, you know, a bathroom scale that you stand on and it tells you how much you weigh, but being weighed in the balance according to like, um, what is it, Lady Justice, you know, you see her sometimes in court rooms, court systems, she's blind, she has the blindfold on and she's holding the scales of justice and the, and the idea is that, that every, both sides are being weighed in order to come to a decision or in order to make a, a right judgment. So this word has at its root that concept that we've taken Jesus, who He is and what He says, and we put it on one side of the scale, and we've taken our family and what they offer to us and, and what they mean to us and what they provide and what they give and what they do, right? And we put that on, one, on the other side of the scale and we, and, we, and we figure out which one we're going to give the, the most weight to. The most weight to. So when Jesus says, if you love, if, if, if you choose, if, if you show more affection, if, 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 if you put more stock in, if, if, if you're going to you know, live your life according to uh, your family's way of doing things, over my way of, of, of doing things and over who I am, then he's, he's in essence saying that you're not, you're not worthy of me. Now, why is, why, why is this the case? It's, it's because what he's saying here is that we're not giving him the place in our hearts and in our lives that he deserves. Let's go back to, let's go back to a mama's boy who runs to his mama instead of his new wife. See, he's not given his new wife the place in his life that she deserves. He hasn't left mama and daddy yet. He runs back to them instead of working together with his wife to work through whatever issues, whatever problems, whatever things are going on. He's, choosing, he's still choosing family over his new family. Praise the name of the living God. Father, thank you for helping us this morning. Thank you for helping us see these things. So he's talking about then an evaluation. He's talking about, you ever heard the expression, put your eggs in the basket? Well, whose basket are you putting your eggs in? Again, these are the things that Jesus is speaking to here. So, Thank you, Father. 
All right, let's go quickly and we'll finish here. First Timothy, you get anything out of this this morning? First Timothy chapter 2. I want to I make sure that you understand what Jesus is trying to say to us here, what he's teaching us here. We, I'll use this example again. We talked about it last Sunday morning in the Christmas message. We've been given a gift that we don't know what to do with. We, we've been given a gift that is the greatest gift that could ever be given. But it, it would be like if, if, um, if somebody gave you an electronic device. You don't even know how to charge the thing. I mean, you've got it, it's yours, but, but if you're going to benefit from it, you, you've got to learn how to benefit from it. You've, you've got to learn how to receive it, how to operate it, how to function with it, right? How to incorporate it into your new life. Amen. I gave Pam one of those wireless chargers for her, for her phone for Christmas, and she's like, well, you know, I kind of like that long cord, and I, you know, I'm like, again, it's, I'm oh, baby, let me show you how this works. Let me, you know, I know that's such a simple thing, but... Again, it's something new and it's, not, it's different from what she's had. And now it's like, I don't know. This is not what I'm used to, you know. So, see, now Jesus has come. He's the greatest gift that could ever be given to us. And, and, and who's going to teach us how to properly receive Him if it's not Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God? So He's, he's trying to help us understand. Not, he's not looking for a, a reason to condemn you. He's not trying to set the bar so high that no one can be saved. That's, that's not what these verses are about. Amen. Alright, so 1 Timothy chapter 2. This is, this is what we've got to get straight if we're going to... If we think Jesus is saying something here that He's not saying, if we think that He's making all of this a prerequisite for salvation, then not only are we going to feel condemned and question our salvation, we're going we're to miss the true meaning of, of what it is that He's trying to help us understand. Alright, so let's begin. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to pay very close attention to the order of things in verse 4. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Let me ask you something. Can you be saved without knowing what Jesus said in Matthew the 10th chapter? Of course you can. Of course you can. Some of you in this room may have never even read or heard what we read from Matthew, the 10th chapter this morning. But you got born again maybe some time ago. What, am I, what, is, what is the point here? The point is that Jesus is not talking about prerequisites for salvation. He's talking about truth that we all need to understand and grow in. So notice his desire is for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I used to reverse this. I used to flip this. I thought you came to the knowledge of the truth and you got saved. Well, obviously we learned some truth. We heard some truth, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Somebody had to tell us something about Jesus in order for us to call upon the name of Jesus in order for us to be saved. 
Romans 10 and other places in the Bible make it very clear. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He didn't say whoever memorizes Matthew 10 and complies with every uh, point and, and every sub-point of Matthew 10 shall be saved. He said whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if anyone tells you that all of these things in Matthew 10 are prerequisites, in other words, requirements, something you have to, to, to understand and live up to in order to be saved, they're incorrect. That's not what this means. You see, what you must do to be saved and what you must do to walk in, experience, and enjoy all that you became and were given when you were saved, we're talking about two different things here. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. Learn of me and you will find rest. That word find there means to discover. It means to discover. Amen. I've said this again over and over. Let me say it one more time this morning. Discipleship is not about becoming something you're not. Discipleship is about discovering who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. The Christian life is not about becoming, it's about discovering. It's not about trying to get God to give you something. God has already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's yours right now. You've been given not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that you might know the things that have been freely given to you by God. When you are born again, He gives you rest. But if you never learn from Him, you will never discover the rest that you've been given. When you were born again, you were made free. But if you never learn of Him, you will never walk in the freedom that you've been given. When you were born again, you were made prosperous. But if you never learn of Him, you will never walk in and enjoy the prosperity that became yours at the new birth. When you were born again, you were made righteous. But if you never learn of Him. So again, His desire is for you to be saved. I'll put it back on the screen. Verse 4. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. We said this in class this morning. Until you're saved, you're in no position to, to learn these things. The Bible says to the unsaved man, the natural man, these things are foolishness. Somebody who's not saved talking about, man, you've got to love Jesus more than your mama. And they're like, well, we forget that because I don't love anybody more than my mama. Right? Any, any of you guys remember? I was fighting words, right? You put up with a lot on the playground, but if somebody said something about your mama, it was on like a chicken bone then, right? You know. And so now somebody who don't even know anything about Jesus is like, well, let me tell you something, brother. You know, God's got some good things for you, but if you don't hate your family, you're not worth... You know. See, again... Somebody who's not even saved doesn't know what to do with that. Somebody, a lot of people who are saved don't know what to do with it. But this idea that Jesus is... is these, these are things of maturity here. These are things that we're growing up into. These are things that, that we're learning and, 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 and understanding and, and, and our response to Jesus and how we respond to Him and what He has said and all these other things. But the idea that, that, that if we don't have all this down pat uh, in the very beginning that we can't be saved, remember the thief on the cross simply cried out from his heart to be remembered when Jesus went into His kingdom and, and Jesus said, you're going to be with me in that kingdom, big guy. 
So Jesus, if I could, please, without making you so, you know, some people get so irritated. Jesus has made it so easy to get saved. So easy to get saved. You know why? Because Father wants people to be saved. <laughs> he didn't make it hard. He made it easy. It was hard before. It was impossible before. Now it's easy. We cannot confuse what it means to be saved with coming to the knowledge of the truth. Let me, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, you know, sound like Charlie Brown's teacher up here or anything, but let me, let me try to, I'm going to say this a few times to you, okay? Jesus speaking to you this morning. This is Jesus speaking to you this morning. Come and I will give, learn and you will find. Come and I will give, learn and you will find. Come and I will give, learn and you will find. Come and I will give, learn and you will find. He didn't say learn and I will give, did he? He didn't say learn, once you learn this boy, I'll give it to you. No. No, no. Come and I will give. Learn, and you'll find. See, because we don't understand this about God, we're begging Him to give us stuff He's already given us and mad at Him because He hasn't done it already. When, God, when? Why, God, why? And He's like, darling, I've already given that. I gave you that when you came to me. Learn, and you'll discover Learn, and you'll find. Amen? Amen? By His stripes you will be healed. Is that what it says? By His stripes you were healed. When were you? When He took those stripes on His back. When did it become yours? When you came to Him. Come and I will give. Learn, and you will find. Now, this is where we're kind of at a, at a crossroads here, so I'll put the brakes on here for a minute, all right? It continues to burn in my heart, and the Holy Spirit continues to speak to me along these lines, and so we'll continue this next Sunday morning, Sunday night, next Sunday night. It comes down to the place that we give Him. If you do not give Him the place that He deserves in your life, you will not be able to hear the things that He has to teach you. I'll show it to you in Scripture. We mentioned last Sunday morning he went to his own hometown. They said, by what wisdom does he do these mighty works? They didn't deny that he did mighty works. They didn't deny that miracles had been produced by his hands. By what wisdom? 
does he do this? That word wisdom can be, can be translated different ways. One way, and I think given the context that it could be translated, this was basically what they were saying. I have no idea how he's doing that. He's got something up his sleeve. Something's going on here that I can't quite put my finger on. What did Jesus say those works represented and testified of that he was sent from God? If you do not believe me because of what I say, believe me because of the works that I do. If I'm not in my Father and my Father is not in me, then, then how am I doing the works that I'm doing? Every work that I'm doing, I'm doing because I'm in the Father, I'm one with the Father, and the Father's one with me. That's what Jesus said over and over and over again. But notice now, they said, listen, I'm, I've, I know I've, amen, I got it all in my notes. Just hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, please. I don't know why I did that, but hear me, hear me, hear me. Where does this man that jumped out at me this week. Not where does he get this from. Where does this man get these things from? By what wisdom does he do these mighty works? Is Mary not his mother? Did we not grow up with his brothers? Do we not know his sisters? See, notice now, they've brought him down to a place that's the same as everybody else. So he is at best one voice among many. He is at best one opinion among others. In order to learn from him, you've got to esteem him. You've got to value him. You've got to put him in a place of master and yourself in a place of disciple. You, 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 as long as he is just another person that has another opinion... You're going to be blinded to what he came to teach you. Singers and musicians, come on, please, praise God. Come and I will give. Learn and you will find. Come and I will give. Learn and you will find. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we choose this morning to give Jesus the place in our lives that He deserves. We choose this morning
to give Him the place in our lives that He's worthy of. All things considered, we recognize Him as more than just the Son of Mary. We recognize Him as more than just another man. We honor and acknowledge Him as the Son of God. It's what we did, Father, to receive Your gift of salvation, and it's what we continue to do to walk in the fullness of all that we've been given. We've come to you and you've given to us. Now may we have the right attitude of heart to learn from you so that we can find. Father, I thank you for what you have raised this family of faith up to accomplish, Father, in the earth. Father, you have spoken to our hearts about nations and generations. And I thank you, Father, that you are doing a work in us so that you might do a greater work through us. Father, that what you are doing in us today, you're going to use us to do that same work in others in the future. Help us embrace, Father, the purpose and the destiny that is our oneness with you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us in the renewing and the reconditioning of our minds. That you would show us the different areas in our lives where we're still loving the way we've done things in the past more than the new and living way Jesus has brought us. Father, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you've provided in this past year, and we look ahead now to 2019. May we give you place, the place that you deserve in our lives, in our hearts, in our finances, in our marriages, in our homes, in our families in our businesses. May we esteem you above all else, above all others. Holy Spirit, help us not only do that, but help us understand what that means and what that looks like in a practical way. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Let's, um, let's sing this together and we'll be dismissed. Amen. If, you wanna, if you'd like to be prayed for, 